1-0-1. It's also very important, D-Voice guy. Oh, excuse me. Announcer. Welcome to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan, James. James here. We're here with episode number 101. Nice to have you with me today. Back on the JLT Insider Podcast. So, this episode, huge news. Let's get right into it. The reason we're all here, not actually the reason we're all here, but the, the, reason, the reason we're all here is way different, but one reason we're all here today is to announce the proud opening of a new thing, a new, a new, a new way of life for the Japan, for, for Japan and podcasting in general. And that thing is the Japan Podcast Network. Give it up. I'll wait for your applause on the other side. This is a new website that we have put together. There's going to be a collection of the best podcasts about Japan on the internet, bar none. Hands down. Boom. I just banned my table. I don't know if you could hear that. So, where is it? What, what is it? What is, where, where, how, where do I find this stuff? I hear all those questions. Let's get to those right now. The Japan Podcast Network can be found at, listen carefully here, japanpodcastnetwork.com. Wait for clapping again. Pause for applause. So, what do you see when you get there? Good question. Let me answer it. All right, calm down. What you get there is, right now we have three members. ALT Insider Podcast, the Disrupting Japan Podcast, and the Just Japan Podcast. But we're hoping to get more as we go along, right? We want as many awesome podcasts as we can to be at this network. And uh, we want to, you know, be a place where people can find podcasts that want to listen to about Japan that isn't just, you know, that's easier placed in one place where it's easy to find, right? So if you're interested in that, check it out. You might find some cool podcasts that you'd never even heard about. And if you have a podcast your own, send us an email. Maybe you can be a part of the network. Uh, check check out the site for more details on that. So what you what can I do now? I want to I want to do something with this, right? So first, check the website out, and you see links. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, follow us on Facebook, do all that kind of crazy stuff. And also now we have a master feed, which means you can subscribe to the Japan Podcast Network feed on iTunes, and then every new show will get put into your podcatcher thing. So you can you know get all the shows, not just you know for example the LT Insider Podcast or whatever, because I know you. Or listen to that every week, right? So this is just a way to get all the podcasts you want about Japan, the best podcasts about Japan, all in one place. Please check it out. It is the Japan Podcast Network, and it can be found at www.japanpodcastnetwork.com. There we go. That's done. So now, as I should say, the new intro will be the ALT Insider Podcast, a part of Japan Podcast Network. Please enjoy the Japan Podcast Network. It's not going to be that long. I'll find a better way to say it in the future. Don't worry about that. Anyways, let's get to this week's episode. This week's episode is all about special needs classes and someone that is ending her career as an ALT and all the reasons about that. So we get into what makes a good special needs class. You know, I, for me, I didn't like special needs classes that much because I was always like worried about how it was going to go. There's extra question marks, right? How the class is going to run. I know how to do a normal class, but with a special needs class, sometimes there's different variables, right? So we get into that all about that, how to make your 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 uh, special needs classes more successful. And then we get in a little bit about why she, this person is leaving her, leaving Japan and ending her career because she had a lot of fun, but why is she leaving it? We get into that. So that's pretty cool. Um, stay tuned for that. And for the show notes page of this episode, head on over to altinsider.com forward slash podcast 103 and all the things we mentioned in the episode will be there in list form for you and also you can list the episode there of course but uh, yeah that's it enjoy the show and remember this episode is brought to you by 
the Japan Podcast Network, the new hype, the new hotness in Japan podcasting world. Check it out, please, and tell me what you think, of course. Uh, if you want to send me an email about anything on there, it'll be at the Japan Podcast Network at gmail.com. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Special needs classes and the JET program in general, why this person is leaving the JET program, how to make your special needs classes rock. We go all over the place. So sit down, enjoy Japan Podcast Network. All right, sweet. All right, guys. So today, a very special guest. We're going to learn a lot about special needs classes because they are always... Uh, a lot different than normal class, and uh, I have someone here that is very successful at them. So how are you doing today, Maya? I'm doing well. How are you, James? I'm doing good. Nice to talk to you. Um, I know that for me, special needs class were, uh, they're, they come in a mix, mixed bag because there's always some that were fun, you know, they were easy, but there's some that were a little challenge. So I'm hoping to learn a lot from you tonight about that. Definitely. So let's get into a little bit more about your kind of, your 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 situation as an ALT. So how, tell us a little bit about it. Like how many schools do you have? Is there, how what? Are you a you know tape recorder? You do a lot in your classrooms. How, what's kind of your ALT uh, you know life like? Sure. Well, I was originally posted at two junior high schools and two special needs schools, but because of the way the Board of Education kind of came in and changed how they want to uh, go with English education in the future, they put me at two elementary schools, one junior high school, and my two special needs schools. Okay. So in terms of what I am, I'm. I'm not really a tape recorder for a lot of them. They give me a lot of leeway, especially in the elementary and the special needs schools to kind of do whatever I want. At the junior high school, it's kind of a mixed bag. So sometimes I'm a tape recorder and sometimes they let me kind of go with a lesson plan. So that's great. Oh, that's cool. So you kind of have some freedom to do what you want to do. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, your normal classes, I'd say you have to, uh, not, I should normal is the wrong word. I'm going to try to stay away from normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Non-special needs classes, you have, you have those kind of take the majority of your time though? They do. They do. Uh, usually I go to the special needs schools for about maybe three to four months uh, during the year for on a Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. So it's not, it's not a normal, it's not an every week kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's get into that a little bit more. So what are the differences of when you go to a non-special needs school and when you go to a special needs school? Is it the same kind of system? You go sit in your desk, someone comes to you, talk to the about the class. How does it go? Well, it really depends on the special needs school that I go to. So I go to two of them, like I said before, and one of them is a hospital school and one of them, they call it the homeless school, but I'll get into more that later. Uh, it's a little bit different. So what happens in the hospital school is it's a combined elementary and junior high school. So what happens is they'll give me my schedule maybe two weeks before and they'll say, okay, so these days you'll be teaching at the junior high school, and these days you'll be teaching at the elementary school. And unlike, I guess, the regular kind of schools I go to, the uh, non-special needs schools, uh, they want me to actually go to the non-English classes as well. So they're like, oh, would you mind coming to their art class or their music class or their gym class and joining in? So that's a that's a nice change. I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, they make you be a proactive ALT, which I recommend everyone does, even if you're not at special needs school. That's pretty cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So then you know, so you get to be a, you're a real part of the school. Then that, that kind of situation makes you be a part of the school, right? Yes, and I really appreciate that. That they're like, oh, we really want you to come in and join with us in their, you know, arch class and things like that. So the kids get to know me better and they feel a lot more comfortable around me as well, mm -hmm. which I think is a huge bonus, especially in a special needs school. Okay, so let's talk about for someone that doesn't know what a special needs class is like. Um, how is your how's it set up? Is it like you know in a normal in a non special needs class? It's like fourth grade. English class and you have one class of fourth graders. A special needs class can sometimes be set up a little differently. So how is it normally set up for you? 
So a special needs class, it depends again on the school, but in the most cases, there's usually no more than 10 kids. Sometimes I get maybe one or two. And the funny thing is actually, sometimes when I walk into the classroom, the kids actually elect to leave the classroom. They're like, we don't want to do English today. We want to go back to the homeroom class or we want to go back to the hospital or wherever their dorms are. And that's okay because, you know, sometimes, you know, they're just not in the mood or something is going on with them in their personal life. So that's fine. Mm. But usually it's between one and 10 kids and the teachers are fairly lenient in what they let me do. They say, you know, okay, maybe we want them to have a certain topic like colors or numbers or it's Halloween or Christmas coming up. So can you do an activity based around that? And so I kind of do an activity and they're like, yeah, we're good to go with whatever you really want to do. So how about the age setup? Is it kind of like, they're kind of varying ages, right? In one class. Definitely. Definitely there are varying ages. In fact, one class, I actually have a group of fourth, fifth, and sixth graders all in one class. And I think that was my biggest class, about 16 students. Okay. So let's talk about, let's say, okay, if you get a class, they say, please do colors here, um, Maya, do colors for us. Give us a little bit of an outline. How would you kind of set up a, a class for colors? Sure. So for colors, uh, one of the, I think, favorite activities that they really enjoyed was color by numbers. So because, of course, with a special needs class, you have such a wide variety of special needs. So you have some kids who are almost ba- at a basic level where they function like a regular elementary or junior high school student. Mm-hmm. And you have some that don't that wouldn't be able to really follow like a regular junior high student. So coloring by numbers was a really good thing for them to do. But usually I try to base it around an activity or something they'd want from the textbook. So, for example, in um, for Halloween, we did a color by numbers. But in I think it was for what do you want to eat for the elementary school or what do you want to eat the last lesson? Mm. We did a kind of, you know, parfait. They would draw kind of thing. And I'd be like, okay, what color is this? And then they'd say it back to me and I draw this and I say, okay, what's this? And it's an apple. So we do things like that. So do you have a normal setup? Like, you know, do you have a beginning, middle, end, or you kind of just have like one activity and this is what I want to do today. If I do this activity, we're good. Or how does it work? Uh, Usually they don't want us, they actually said, you know, we don't really want you to do a kind of beginning, middle and end. We kind of just want you to stick with one activity Mm, because, you know, it's easier for a lot of the kids to kind of follow. Mm. Okay. So So, that's, that's, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, in those kind of classes, is there any kind of difficulty with, you know, sometimes I've had classes like that where the students kind of, you know, they can write, they can get kind of, they need to get out energy sometimes. Everyone has different kind of special needs, but sometimes it's kind of, they can't pay attention. They can't sit still. Um, what do you do in situations like that when it's kind of the students, you know, are not kind of going off and doing what they want to do? Well, for the most part, I'm fairly fortunate in the fact that there's a large number of teacher teacher ratio to student ratio in that mm-hmm. school. So I would have maybe while I'm teaching up at the front, there would be five or six teachers in the room with me. Okay. And so if there was any kind of behavior problems there, they would be the ones that would handle it. And I definitely had an instant actually a few months ago where there would be two students that were kind of fighting it out. They had some sort of, they would like to kind of tease each other and then it would devolve into this thing. So the teachers would have to physically separate the kids and put them in timeout and things like that. But for the most part, yeah. So that's kind of different from a regular elementary school when you have, you know, all 45 kids and maybe you have one or two that are acting out. Yeah. So is that kind of, is that a benefit? I mean, obviously it's a benefit for like the, the, in terms of making sure they don't fight and stuff like that. But do you find any kind of difficulty with like the teachers got pretty hands off? It sounds like, so that's a good thing, right? 
Yeah, for the most part. No, yeah, I didn't really have any difficulty. I think the thing that kind of surprised me, though, was that unlike the elementary school, they'll want to really keep the kids in the classroom. Whereas with this school, they'll actually take the kids out and they'll put them on a chair and they'll give them five minutes on the timer and they say, you need to think about your actions. Um, Which I found really interesting because they don't do that at the other schools. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, ha- ha- what you know? Let's t- talk to the new ALTs that are coming up that are nervous about special needs. That get like assigned to a special needs school, and it's kind of scary when you first get, you know, oh no, on Wednesday I have to go to special needs school. What am I going to do? Um, how did you? How would you? Rec- what would you recommend that person do to have a kind of a smooth, you know, intro into their special needs school life? Uh, well, the first thing I would give as a, an advice, and this is more of a general thing, is make sure that you don't assume what their special needs is. If it's a mental health problem, it's if it's a physical health problem, usually the teachers will kind of explain it to you. So you'll be okay. But uh, don't try to single the kids out, especially because sometimes they get embarrassed or they get shy or things like that. So that'd be my first piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Don't kind of, don't kind of single the kids special needs out in any way if you can avoid it. Okay. Uh, but the second thing I would do is kind of what I recommend to anybody who's teaching for an ALT for the first time, go in, get to know your students really well, try to figure out their level. There'll be a lot more lower level, lower level than your regular students. Mm. So just try to, yeah, just figure out what they really like. Maybe go with that. Um, And if you know you're teaching one-on-one, which is a lot what I get with special needs, sometimes they want one-on-one, try to, and, you know, go, go with their interests. I know I had one kid who really hated English and I brought in uh, a manga. I think it was one piece to him and he got really excited for it. So he would always ask me for the book and say, can I read it? And he said, he started looking up words in the dictionary. So that really got him into English. So we would, we would kind of sit down, we would read (laughs) one piece for a lesson. He really enjoyed (laughs) that. That's cool. Sometimes for me, when I was in special needs, it was kind of like, you know, I would do a lesson, but then it seemed like it would go like super fast. That ever happened to you? Like it was over in 10 minutes. I was like, oh, well, now what do I do? Because I was in the same situation as you. It's like do an activity, we're cool. So do you have anything that you would do to kind of extend your lessons? Because you still, in most cases, in my case at least, I'd do 45 minutes. And that seemed kind of long sometimes. So how did you kind of handle that? Did that ever happen to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. The first few times it happened to me, I was like, oh, no, what do we do? And then I looked at Sensei and they were pretty good in, you know, kind of filling in the blanks. But when I started to get better after the first year, the second year was when I really got into it. And I decided basically to maybe, you know, stretch the, the activities out. So if we're doing sticking with the color by numbers, I would give them progressively harder ones mm. so that it would be a little bit difficult. Um, in terms of another activity, I had a lot of board games that I use with them because that's a lot of fun with them. So Snakes and Ladders is really good. Uno is really good. So if they finish an activity or they look like they were getting bored with it, uh, we would definitely move on to something a lot more kind of fun and enjoyable. And the teachers were fairly good with being like, oh, this is actually a really cool activity. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to plug you a little bit, James, and say (laughs) that uh, using your board game, the Can You board game from the ES was really good. They really enjoyed that game a lot. So that's cool. Yeah. So that's so they. It seems like you stuck to the kind of the, you know, you don't want to do too many of those kind of sit down, get a pencil out, do activities with elementary school in, in non-special needs schools. But it seems like with special needs school, you do a lot of those kind of sit yeah, at your desk and do this activity. Definitely. Yeah. So just I want I want them to also have a little bit of fun with it. I know for a lot of kids, it's very daunting. And certainly, 
you know, the kids that actually would leave the class, a lot of times their friend would say, oh, we did this in English class. It was a lot of fun. And I had noticed they would not all the time, but sometimes they would come back and they'd actually join the English class maybe next week or the week after. So that was always pretty enjoyable for me to see a kid come back and maybe want to do a little bit of English. Oh, that's cool. The one that kind of would not interested last time. That's yeah. Cool. So, you know, what do you do? You, know, you talked about you, you said you went to other, other uh, classes and kind of joined those. That sounds pretty cool. I know some ALTs out there want to do that kind of stuff. They think it's intimidating for some reason. It's not. But you should just do it. So what kind of did you what, – what is it like when you go into a class that is, is – say you go into an art class. What is it like? What do you do in those kind of classes, in those situations? Oh, definitely the first thing I do is I join in in whatever I can – in whatever way I can. So either I'll sit with them and, you know, make – we do a lot of origami um, with the special needs schools. So I try to do origami and they laugh at me cause I'm not very good at it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so they have, yeah. So I either do it or I help a student that's kind of struggling for whatever reason, but definitely just joining in at the back. And, you know, sometimes they'd put me in a more technical class like science. And I remember one special needs class, we talked about global warming. And uh, with my limited Japanese, you know, I was trying to get across uh, a point about how global warming really affects and greenhouse gases really affects uh, the world around them, which, which was fun. But it was a really interesting, it was really interesting. And it was, it was definitely memorable. That's a tough topic, though. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, so like, how about when lunchroom, you, you know, I always say elementary school, you should spend time in the kids at lunchroom. What do you do for lunch at your special needs schools? Well, actually, this was a really interesting thing I found. They actually forbid me from having lunch with my special needs students. Hmm, so I, I was told I was not allowed. I think that the hospital school, it was the fact that, you know, they would go back to the hospital and they'd have lunch in their dormitories because they'd live, they'd live on hospital grounds and they would ha- each hmm. have their own dormitories. And I think it was because they were for some reason, given medication during lunch hour. Okay. And they didn't want me around, I guess, class A drugs or whatever have you. So for that one, for the other school, it was just they wanted the group to kind of eat together and they didn't want the ALT to kind of be a distracting presence. Okay, that can happen, yeah. Yeah, so they said, you know, if it's okay, you can definitely go to their after-school clubs or things like that, but uh, don't go to their lunches. So I just usually eat lunch in the staff room with the other teachers. Uh, okay, yeah. that's cool. How about, how about cleaning then? Because I want to ask about that. So in cleaning time, do they also tell you to sit down? Because usually in those schools that say, hey, don't come to lunch, we want to, you know, don't be a distraction. When it comes to cleaning time, they say the same thing. Was it like that for you in cleaning time? No, actually, they really encouraged me to help clean. So. Um, oh, cool. At the hospital school, it would be cleaning kind of the classrooms for the most part. But for the other, the homeless school, which I'm going to call it, they would actually, we would actually clean the entire, not only the school, but their dormitories as well. And so, and so they'd ask me to come in and we do like the grounds cleaning. So they would also upkeep the ground so that they'd mow the baseball field at lunch and, you know, they'd be sweeping the steps and they'd be going into their rooms and cleaning out. So that was really cool. So, um, you know, I'm going to break away from the special needs thing for a second here because I know you are planning to end your ALT career. So if it's okay, I want to ask a few questions about that. Sure, yes. You're an ALT for how long now? Uh, This would be my second year almost. Um, I was actually an alternate on the JET program, so I came a little bit later than everybody else. 
So your two years are coming to an end. So let's talk about why are you deciding to stop your ALT, real, ALT career after two great years? Um, You know, I always knew it wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to say the fi- full five years. I kind of wanted to go back and do grad school. And that was really the motivating drive for me. You know, I really enjoyed my two years on JET, but I knew also it was kind of time to come for an end and start thinking about grad school. Okay, so it's probably going to go live this episode right when jets are just about to come here. So, like, what's something you wish you knew as a jet that you, you know, you wish you knew when you were about to start your jet career that would have made you have a lot more fun in the beginning stages? You know, I would really roll with it. I think I was really nervous when I first came of kind of make sure that I was really good and that everything was right. But at the beginning, I made a lot of mistakes, and I think that's okay. I think a lot of jets want to seem really perfect and they really want to do well, but making mistakes is how you learn. And I wish I had kind of been more open to, you know, make mistakes and get messy as Miss Frizzle says. It's a great show. Yeah, it really um, is. How about, um, you know, what's your best memory? Cause I, I don't think we talk about the good, I always talk, talk, try to get information, but I never get to hear about a real, you know, your experience as a whole. So what's kind of your best memory you're going to take with you from your two years? Oh gosh. Um, well going definitely probably the working at both of the special needs schools, it definitely kind of opened my eyes to how, how special needs is kind of really dealt with, but also the children really got to know me well. And we had a lot of great experiences. So with one of them, I ended up going to their Tyco performance at another school and I was really proud of them. I filmed it all on camera and I gave it That's to the, cool. I gave it to the teachers, so that was really cool. Another time, we uh, we went to Nagoya with one of the kids, and we spent time, you know, going around, and that was really cool as well. So, I definitely would say probably the special needs schools were probably some of my best memories. Surprisingly, that's cool. You could really because I'm sure. I mean, I don't know how you felt when you when you got assigned there, but it's kind of it is kind of scary. Like, wow, and special needs school, it's just different, you know? Oh yeah, but definitely. It like you, really, you really got to be a part of their life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I really enjoyed that. So that's awesome. So what's kind of let's, let's go to the other side of the coin here. Um, what's kind of your what's your least fun memory to look back on your last on your, on your last two years? Uh, my least fun memory, I think it was any day when I was kind of really bummed out, either because you know I had a really bad English lesson or I just really wasn't into it. And on those days, you know, what I'd do is I'd kind of, you know, step back and say, okay, well, why am I here? What am I doing? And if the, the bad mood kind of persisted, uh, like I think you say often, you know, you got to gotta have fun when you're doing this. Mm-hmm. You got to really yeah, yeah. change your orientation. So for that, it was probably burnout in both cases. So yeah. in that case, I looked to why did I come to Japan in the first place? And uh, that was mostly to go to Kyoto. So I would often plan little trips to Kyoto as a kind of way to deal with burnout. Definitely. That's a good, if you, remember why you came and if, if you, you need to just, you know, if, if you're just thinking about it, it makes you think, okay, I'm not here to feel like crap about myself or feel like I'm not having fun. I'm here to do whatever it is. And then you can kind of make steps. That's awesome. You did that. Um, so, you know, did you end up going to Kyoto many times, I guess? Yes, actually. I just came back from Kyoto uh, just before this interview. So that was, that was a birthday present for me. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So, are you kind of a a big big city, small city, medium? Uh, I'd say medium city, probably uh, university city. So, okay, two hundred to three hundred thousand people. And let's talk about socially outside of work. Did you kind of find many Japanese friends? You have more jet friends. How did it work for you? Of your two um. Years? Well, actually, it was a really nice uh, way it worked out. I've had, um, of course, the jet community is really supportive here, but I actually ended up making a lot of Japanese friends and family members that I consider at this point. Um, and just by talking to some of the teachers and, you know, them saying, Hey, you know, there's this lady in, um, 
who runs a restaurant in this city. She'd really like to meet you. She really is good at English. And that lady ended up becoming my Japanese mother, which was great. Wow, yeah. That's a, the value of talking to your other teachers. You know? Yeah, really. I really recommend that. If well, The one piece of advice, sorry, this is a little bit tangential, but the one piece of advice that was given to me before I went on the JET program was say yes to everything. So if your teachers mm -hmm. ask you something like, oh, do you want to go to this? You know, try to say yes, within reason, of course, you know, if there's something you really don't want to do, if there's something you really don't want to do, or there's something that sounds kind of illegal and shady, don't do that. Yeah. But. yeah. If they say grade these thousand history papers, don't say yes right away. Yeah, don't, don't say yes right away. No, no, definitely. <laughs> um, but the second uh, thing that we did is my um, board of education has every month an event at the local university where we kind of work with kids uh, in English. So there's UBs, all these university graduates who are around our age, and I end up becoming really good friends with them. So they'd often invite That's me cool. out for dinner and things like that. So yeah, that was really interesting. Now, did you? Here's a rumor, you know, that uh, could be true in some cases, not true in other cases. You know, and when you work for the jet program, you have to stay at the BOE sometimes when the school is closed. Yes. Did Did you have to do that, or did you find a way to, you know, snivel your way out of that? I don't know what snivel <laughs> means, but you know. Uh, you know, no, I definitely know what you mean. Um, usually in the case when the school is closed, they will actually move me to another school that day. So oh, okay. because all my schools are within the distance, they'll usually do that. Uh, in other cases, they'll often say to me sometimes, um, yeah, you know, you can leave, you know, early. Uh, I'll walk out and I won't tell anybody. So, yeah, yeah, I, I often that's do smart that. Thing, yeah, that's okay, a smart good, move. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. If they say you can go, don't, just go. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you know, since your time's almost over, you know, you, what are your kind of I know you said you want to go to grad school, but. What are your kind of future plans? Do you think your time in Japan is done or what are your, what are you thinking? Well, actually, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, I tried to get all my family members to come to Japan uh, okay. and, and one of them didn't come. So she really wants to come to Japan. So I'll definitely come back. But in terms of, you know, coming back to work, probably not. I think I'll definitely come back to Japan more for vacation, but not necessarily to have a career back in Japan. Although I would like to stay with the jet community probably. I'll probably help okay. them through that. That's cool. Yeah, it's a really good, that's an amazing community. I couldn't, I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't in that world at all until I kind of started my website. And I can see, like, it's crazy how much support you guys do and volunteer work. It's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. it really is. It really is. Um, so, you know, now you can, looking back, kind of, you're almost to the end. How would you rate your total, your, your time? Was it, did you, you know, I say to set goals before you get there and have, you know, four or five goals you definitely want to do. How would you did you set any goals? Did you did you surpass all those or just still things you left on the table you want to do in the future? Um, I definitely had, I think, three goals. And I think the only goal I really didn't push myself at was the Japanese kind of skill. I was hoping to take maybe N four. And mm -hmm. I really didn't I really didn't get to that just because the timing didn't work out with me. And uh, okay. I got I got a little bit lazy, truth be told. Uh, just <laughs> yeah. learning Japanese. But um the other goals I had, definitely traveling around Japan was probably the biggest goal. And I've got to most of the places I wanted to be in Japan. So that was really good. Um, but I think the two main goals, uh, the other two main goals I had were kind of fulfilled in making the Japanese friends and kind of getting an interesting viewpoint from a lot of the Japanese friends. Because they're very outspoken in some things that I wouldn't think that they would be outspoken about. So we talk about Ooh, the like Olympics. For like for example, the Olympics. Um, they're actually very outspoken against it. Surprisingly, a lot of them are not kind of happy to be hosting the Olympics. 
in uh, yeah. Japan just because they're like, that's such a huge price tag. How are we going to pay for it? You know, yeah, you'll see like the, the older Obachans love it. And then like the kind of working people that are 20s and 30s, they're like, what are we doing this for? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you know, people that are 60 or 70, like, yeah, Olympics. Wow. You know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to say this is a personal thing, but I'm, I'm going to leave it in anyway. You, you, this person, Maya here, has sent many, many suggestions for the English, le- the yearly lesson plans. And I know it's a plug or whatever, but whatever. She, she sent a lot of stuff that helps. So, so I want to say personal thanks to you for helping me out with that because you made them awesome. And I'm glad you had a fun time in two years. I wish you the best of luck in the future as well. Thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to less of version three. So I know that's coming out soon. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see that. We're very excited. <laughs> Definitely. So in closing though, I want to let's give you one more chance for, let's give a, a short message to the new jets out there. You had a successful two years. What is, is something, I know I already asked this question in a different form, but give a different answer it's, it's your chance to spice it up Ooh. what's your advice to make someone have be a successful jet well i already said try to integrate into the community as much as possible whether that be volunteer or finding a japanese friends and family members that you'll eventually meet um but really you know i think the one thing i want to recommend to everybody is just to kind of have fun on this you know i know that sometimes it can be really stressful and sometimes there are you know days that you really wish you know, I really wasn't here, but try to have fun, find something that interests you and really go with that. Cause it will make, be some of the greatest experiences you'll ever have in Japan. There you go. Have more fun. This is the point, right? Yep. <laughs> so last, last question. This is a serious one. Sure. Best Japanese food chain. Oh, well that's has to be a chain. Don't say like Izakaya, some crazy Izakaya. No one knows. <laughs> chain has to be a chain, chain restaurant that restaurant. everyone can go to. Oh gosh. Well, I think, okay. This is going to be a cop-out answer a little bit, but uh, I think everybody should go to Sushi Row at least once. Uh, And I know it's it's kind of described (laughs) as McDonald's of sushi, but uh, (laughs) I definitely recommend once and branch out from there. Branch out from there. Start there, but, you know, come on. A lot of it's 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 McDonald's of sushi, but that means it tastes good, right? Yeah, it means it tastes good, definitely, but, you know. All right, so Maya, I will let you go. Thanks a lot for everything you've done for ALT Insider, and also thanks for this interview. I think you shared a lot of stuff. People, especially in these classes, have you seen for Maya here? She made her those classes were one of her best memories of her time in Japan. So look for it with anticipation, and you know, uh, looking forward to it rather than be scared of it. Definitely. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit ALTinsider.com. See you next time. Japan Podcast Network.